curiosities of the Orient. The Orient is a strange and dangerous place, but with a bit of clever thinking we can soon understand its mysteries and superstitions. You see, in ancient times in the land of Japan existed the strange cult of the pot-bellied Buddha. Mr. Buddha told the Eastern folk that after you die, you're not really dead, but you transform into a spirit, you know. No amount of ether could cure this queer thinking. In fact, I went so far as to believe these spirits were homesick and would visit us on the appropriate occasion. But mister, I don't want to be visited by a spirit. <laughs> don't want it, Timmy. Just do your prayers like a good boy, to the one true God, of course. Leave out some Japan sake and treats, and you'll be spared for being torn to shreds or played with boils by a hungry, demented, sexually liberated socialist. I mean demon. But mother says that ghosts don't... Don't listen to your mother, Timmy, now. Are you ready for a visit from Grandpa, or Great Grandpa? Build your personal shrine today, and be ready by summer. The ghosts are coming. This has been Spirits of the Orient. So last week on the show, Chris and I started our journey into the heart of the Japanese summer. Um, so we were learning more about the holiday of Obon, and well, seeing as it's a holiday commemorating the spirits of our ancestors and loved ones, we've welcomed back the spirit of Chris's dad to join us for the ride. After experiencing a few Japanese summer festivals, we've arrived in the island of Kyushu for the main three-day Obon event. We're going to a small island to see a particularly unique Obon dance for the celebration before heading to Nagasaki for the final send-off. Our story continues in a temple garden in Fukuoka. It's peaceful at Komyozenji, a small Buddhist temple, neighboring the much larger and much more famous Dazaifu a Shinto shrine outside of Fukuoka. Mika and I are on the wooden patio, overlooking a karesansui, a Zen garden, apparently the only of its type in Kyushu, and we're choosing different things to concentrate on for a moment, like the sandy gravel, raked in circles around various stones which stick out of the garden at angles, or the place where the gravel meets the moss, or the low green canopy. I imagine the monks who attended to this garden for hundreds of years, about 750 to be precise. They're probably buried somewhere around here. And then I thought about my dad. He's meant to be here now, so I imagined him sitting next to me, wondering, how would he sit? Kneeling? No, dad didn't kneel. Cross-legged? Knees hugged in, one leg up. How did he sit again? Had I ever seen him sit? I don't know. Maybe he's standing. Behind us is the main temple. And down the walkway, a small building with its door open to the public. Inside, 
The three walls are lined with about two hundred small altars, stacked three tiers high, most of them open and displaying fresh flowers. Look at this, look at all these flowers. Yeah, I think it's all the altars for people who died. Are this for Auburn? Must be. That one has a mini can of Sapporo and a mini cup sake. Oh, lucky. Lucky. You can smell the incense. It's beautiful. All the guides to Auburn say you can smell the incense when you come to these places. Yeah. Summer in Kyushu reminds me of an illustration I like by an artist called Saki Obata. It's of a young woman standing in a field, maybe in a rice field or some kind of long grass. Regardless, it's a rural setting. She's standing holding a parasol in front of a tall pole, much like a power pole. And she looks up towards the top where three speakers sit, pointing in three directions, much like megaphones in appearance. She stares at them, in all likelihood, listening to their music. And the caption reads, Natsuwa akaru yō de ite, sugu tunari ni totomo kurai bubun ga aru. Summer seems bright, but there is darkness next to it. This happens all across Japan, in every suburb, every town, every beach and rice field. Sometimes at 6am, sometimes 7, midday, midnight, but almost always around 5 o'clock. The 5 o'clock chimes. Officially, its purpose is a daily test of the emergency speakers, but its effect is to paint the country in tunes. Colour the scenery with haunting chromatic scales. This is one of the most common, Yuyake Koyake. It can be heard in many places, including Hyogo Prefecture, home to Himeji Castle, and the city of Kobe, where in 1995 there was a magnitude 6.9 earthquake, killing nearly 6,500 people. This one is played near Otsuki in Yamanashi, where in 1582, the last of the famous Takeda clan were fleeing the joint forces of the Oda and Tokugawa clans. They headed for safe refuge at Iwatono Castle, but its keeper and should-be ally Oyamada shuts them out, and the Takedas commit seppuku. Meanwhile, Oyamada is now out of friends. He has a servant smuggle his wife, Chidori Hime, out of the castle and along an escape route with her son and baby. The group are traversing a dangerous cliff face when the baby, tucked into Chidori Hime's chest, begins to cry, its wails echoing off the mountain walls. Fearful of being discovered by their pursuance, the servant takes the baby and throws him down the cliff to his death.
Zemedeke, East Turkey. The 1923 Great Kanto earthquake was deadly, but more actually died in the dozens of fires that broke out afterwards. More than 100,000 people died, a great deal of them at once, when a whirlwind of fire engulfed a refuge park in Sumida, incinerating 30,000 people in an instant. And in the Rikuzentakata, Iwate Prefecture, a small town by the water, once 26,000 strong, completely destroyed by the 2011 tsunami. The town tsunami shelters were designed for a wave of about three to four meters. The wave that hit Rikuzentakata was 13 meters. About 400 bodies were found initially. The final death count was over one and a half thousand. The 2011 earthquake and tsunami killed nearly 16,000 people across 20 prefectures. More than 90% drowned. There are many scenes of summer in Sakyobata's book. Incense burning at a grave looking at the countryside out of train windows, lying on top of the sheets, sitting in the doorway looking out into the blackness of night, and summer in Japan is especially dark. The contrast between the brightness of day and the darkness of night is so dramatic here in summertime, that if you slow down a bit and you concentrate on the space between the two, you might find some magic. And you might believe in ghosts as well. Jesus. It's dusk, and we're in a cemetery. This is a side of Auburn I didn't know about. Yeah. On an island, off an island, off Kyushu, which is also an island. Between here and Kyushu is Hirado, where tomorrow we'll see a rare Obon performance, unique specifically to this area, called Jangara. But right now, we're on the island next door, Ikitsuki, on which is this graveyard, which curves into and drops down the side of a hill with a view of the ocean. And all over it, are rockets and fireworks shooting from the grave sites. After the fireworks set off, that whole grave site was just covered in smoke. The hill is steep, and we're at the bottom of the cemetery, looking up at the pillared gravestones in their family lots with small concrete or rock walls. Now, it's perfectly normal at Obon to go to the graveyard. Oh my god, they're firing off all over the place. If you do, you will see that almost all the graves have fresh flowers, incense burning next to them, and maybe some family members giving the tombstones a wash. But this... is not so normal. The lots are busy, 
bustling even with people. Families sitting on picnic sheets, drinking sake, eating snacks and setting off fireworks. And presumably, sitting right alongside them, are the spirits of their dead loved ones. It's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Many of the graves have altars, little doors in the tombstone, which are usually closed for most of the year, but tonight they're open. There are candles burning inside them. They're all back now. Everyone's here. The families are all together. It's like each family has their own little space, their own little house. Yeah. And in each one you can kind of see different family dynamics. Yeah. Like some families are really big and some families are small. Some are drinking sake, some are drinking highballs. Some are just on their phones. And we just walk past four kids who are just all on their phones and not talking. <laughs> Sometimes it's just a dad and two kids with sparklers. Sometimes it's 20 people with a picnic sheet. Yeah. As the rockets soared from the family lots, exploded in the sky above the graves of mothers and fathers and grandmothers and great-grandfathers, I realized they were not fireworks of celebration. They were fireworks of veneration. Ie in Japanese translates, I mean roughly it translates to home, but in Japanese culture it signifies more than just the house. It's sort of um, the family home is brought about by, you know, your father and his father and his grandfathers before that. Because of the, you know, labor or work your ancestors before you put in, that's why you have this kind of family home. This is Mika translating for Shigeo Nakazono of the Ikitsuki Island Museum, an expert on Obon. Over the course of the year, most Japanese people are really busy um, with work and, you know, doing business and travel, and you're just living, you're in, in that sort of life cycle. And so the thing about Obon is that it's really a time to stop and think and reflect and take a step back and look at their past and not just their own past but you know the people who came before them to kind of honor and respect that which has allowed people to you know live their lives as they do today so it's kind of a time for reflection I think it was Nakazono-san who had told us about the festivities in the cemetery but originally We'd got in touch to talk about the Jangara Festival on Hirado Island. We had picked Kyushu as the place to visit for Obon because of the rare and unique festivals and rites it still practices. And the Jangara seemed particularly special. A group or groups of men and young boys who move around the island, performing a sutra, blessing the temples, the shrines and the dead. It originated 
with Buddhism, and um, so there's the practice of chanting sutras. Somewhere along the line, one sect of Buddhism started incorporating like a dance with the chanting. So um, instead of just simply chanting a sutra, they'd be doing a kind of step or a dance, and it was thought that this was kind of a way to make the sutra or the chanting more enjoyable. The jangada was hard to track down, but we found it. Outside a community hall on the side of the road, surrounded by island jungle and overlooking the ocean. They were a group of about 20 men and young boys, dressed in local yukata. Some had hats decorated with colourful paper designs, similar to those we wore at Nebuta. But my attention was grabbed by the blue and white striped veils which hung from their brims, completely masking their faces. Enough to make me wonder how they could see anything at all. Some of the men played drums, others a wooden flute or a handheld gong. They made a remarkable sight as they headed behind the hall and up the hill to ask permission from the kami or god who lives up there to begin their jangara for the day. Meanwhile, a young woman escorts us in the opposite direction, down the road towards the ocean, to a temple where we'll wait for the group. The woman is friendly and genuine, and even though it wasn't even 8am yet, actually the third stranger we'd interacted with that day. The first was a woman who lived above the sake shop nearby. She chatted with us about the jangara, told us how the boys would collect money as they moved around the island, which would become their pocket money. Soon after her, a lady wearing an apron had run out of the hall and invited us inside for tea and onigiris. We of course accepted, went inside and sat and chatted with her for a time, while we watched the children play, slipping around on the tatami in their socks. She then lent us a couple of umbrellas, brown and pink with flowers, the kind that your grandma would have, and sent us off with the young woman, now prepared for the rain that would soon arrive. And now here we are at a temple, looking at the sea, and chatting about New Zealand with a sweet young woman from Hirado. And then we hear them approaching. The men enter the grounds, form a horseshoe in front of the temple, and begin playing. A man and two of the boys move forward. The boys begin hopping, turning around each other, as the man steps one foot forward and leans into it, smacks a small gong towards the pier, almost threateningly. 
Occasionally, he lifts his foot and stomps it down again. A ritual so old, today presented as a colourful display of singing and dancing, which began centuries ago as a simple sutra. There's no one else here, no audience, no one to cheer or applaud, just the group and a few older men smoking cigarettes, loosely patrolling the traffic and checking the route on their map, and a couple of stunned looking foreigners with a microphone. After they finished at the Buddha's temple, the group performed at a Shinto shrine, right next door. And then another one. Then another temple. And then up on a mound to bless a little sacred thicket. Then down into a fishing town for a thorough blessing of the jetty. One of the most significant places where the people and the ocean meet. The Jangada's members are just normal students from the island and salarymen visiting home from Tokyo or Nagasaki or Osaka. They come here every summer at Obon to practice this rite, which the rest of the world and Japan is largely ignorant of. What do you think? It feels like there's no difference between right now and 400 years ago. Yeah. The Jangada is a performance, but it's not at all performative. It's done because it's Obon, and this is what happens on Hirado at Obon. The Jangara blesses not only the public places, the temples and shrines and so on, but it enters people's houses and cares for the spirits of the recently deceased. Especially for people who have died within the last two or three years, like the first three years, um, of course they're still missed really greatly by their own families and um, and also for the spirit of the deceased themselves, they're sort of like still a newcomer in the world of the dead. So it's sort of thought that we have to take extra care to, um, to you know, to look after them, to kind of properly welcome them back. They might be still feeling kind of homesick for their life and the living. So, um, so that first obon after somebody dies, you know, they try to make sure that they go to the houses of those who have just passed away. They're at someone's house. The rain has really packed in now. We're standing at the top of a driveway, huddling under our old lady umbrellas. Below us, the Jangada is performing in front of a house. A Hatsubon house. Hatsubon being what people in this part of Japan call the first obon after someone dies. And I'm watching this scene as a complete stranger to Hirado, now knowing that someone who lived in this house died recently. 
and how that's just announced to the world with literally a song and a dance. I don't know, I just like how, how like, they just treat death like no big deal. Yeah. I mean, it is a big deal, obviously. I mean, yeah. they're making a huge deal about it with this stuff, but like, at the same time, there's nothing to be embarrassed of or ashamed yeah, of it's, or... It's nothing... It's nothing to hide away. Yeah. It's like, it's almost the opposite. It's like, well, this person recently died, so they must... We really need to take care of them, yeah. so... Let's go do this thing. I see someone emerge from the house to invite the Jangada inside, where they'll perform in front of the deceased's altar. But then I realize, wait, I know her. Oh, it's the lady that was with us. That's the, isn't that the... Yeah. That's her. Yeah. This is her house. Yeah. She must have lost someone this year. Yeah. Or last couple of years. Sometime recently, yeah. It was the same young woman who had taken us to the temple that morning. Jesus, see what I mean? Yeah. Now I know some very personal information about her. Yeah. And it's fine. It's like, yeah, that's okay. Not only that, but she came up the driveway to us in the rain with cups of hot green tea and told us freely and with a smile that her grandmother had died that year. I think back to when my dad died and if I would have felt like going out into a storm to bring hot tea to a couple of foreign reporters with a microphone. And actually, yeah, that would be really nice. To know that after death and after the funeral, it doesn't stop. I could imagine how, had my dad had a Hatsubon, I would have been so grateful for a Jangada, for a group of men in hats with paper flowers to come and do a sutra and a dance for him, and to feel a little closer to the community around me, who are all part of it in some very human way. dad back with dancing and fire, had built him a shrine in our home, had taken him far from Tokyo to Fukuoka where we had lit a lantern and sat and joined him in his silence for a while. And he joined us in life at the graveyard, a resting place he doesn't have, where families he doesn't know shot rockets and drank sake in veneration of those they love and miss. We'd taken him to Hirado, done the pilgrimage with the Jangara around the island. We'd checked into hotels, gone to the beach, watched dragonflies and crabs, driven hours in the car, and stopped for coffee in middle-of-nowhere places, famous for nothing in particular. We'd done all this together, all the time feeling somewhere in the air, or in me, that energy I used to know. Now the time had come. 
to finally say goodbye. I'm just waking up from a nap, so I'm a bit grumpy. As Mick will tell you. After driving here from Hirado this morning. It's the last evening of Obon, and we're in Nagasaki for the Shoronagashi. Shoronagashi is, we say, bye-bye to friends and family who have passed on. Um, they uh, decorate uh, boats that they've made, small wooden boats with uh, portraits, flowers, lanterns, parade them through the streets of Nagasaki and throw fireworks at each other. The spirits were welcomed back with fire and they'll be sent off again with fire. Inside lanterns, hung to boats, which are pushed through the middle of Nagasaki towards the ocean. But it'll be noisy. And as if hundreds of spirits being sent off in boats through the city towards the afterlife isn't spectacle enough, the whole event is doused in firecrackers. Or double happies to a New Zealander. Everyone has them. Lots of them. Both audience and participants. And they use them freely. The festival doesn't actually start for another half an hour, but... Some guys are already warming up as we approach an inner city square where we come across a massive gathering of spirits. Oh, look at this one. Is it a train? It's huge. It's many carriages of lanterns. Yeah. It's got lots and lots and lots of family names on it. And each lantern is a different family, I wonder. There must be about four to five hundred of them spread over ten boats each bearing two tiers of maybe 40 or 50 lanterns, painted with family names and displaying a portrait of the dead, all connected into a long train. Sponsors? No, it's like, it's a shared one, it's a communal one. That's what I thought. Yeah. This would be the centerpiece of the festival, a vessel lugging hundreds of homesick spirits back to the afterworld. It's got pictures as well. It started to dawn on us. Lots of people here dressed in like funeral clothes. This is amazing. This is like a public festival. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're playing like sad funeral reception music. Yeah, I know. Shoronagashi was a famous summer festival, like Nebuta and Awa Odori. But this wasn't going to have the joyous rapture of Nebita. It wasn't going to have the carefree glamour of Awa Odori. First it just seems like a normal crowd of people, but the, more, the longer you look, it's like, oh no, these are people who've lost someone. These are, it's meant to be the night you say goodbye. Yeah. So these are all the people you're saying goodbye to. Yeah. So like, if it's Hatsabon, if it's their first one, yeah. they really are saying say goodbye. goodbye. It's so like the proper time. It is a funeral. Yeah. In a way. It's a public funeral. We went for a walk, and the tone of the festival was confirmed for us when we came across the first small boats being pushed through the side streets. And if you want to grab a nama, oh, can we 
ask these people about their float. The first one we saw was being pushed by a family taking a timed photo on a smartphone. They were all smiling as they lined either side of the boat, in the middle of which was the portrait of a young boy. It's really cute. He's young. I didn't expect to see that. No, neither. And that was just the first one. It didn't stop. Here's another one. All of the boats had lanterns and portraits and decorations and masts, many of which carried the sutra we'd seen painted on the lanterns at the cemetery, and which the Jangara had recited on Hirado. One read, Okasan. Arigato. It was a thank you to them, Mum. In fact, many of the masts read Arigato gozaimasu, or Itsumo Arigato. On that white flag in front of that boat, there's a, there's a, like, a message to the, the mum who died. Can you read it? Oka-san, ima boku wo Boku ni something. In front of every boat, a person was pushing a small gong on wheels. As we ventured into the city, we got deeper into the Shodon Nagashi. Surrounded by families, businesses, friends, all pushing their loved ones back out. The sound from the gongs and the firecrackers was so loud, Mika and I had earplugs in. We couldn't hear each other anymore. You might not be able to tell, in fact, you can't. But there are thousands and thousands of people all around us. But in those rare moments when the gongs and the fireworks die down for a moment, you can hear only silence. No one is talking. People use fountain fireworks like flamethrowers, fanning the ground to make sure no bangers were missed. One man pours a beer over his brother, or maybe his father's head. The victim gives me a, what are you going to do, kind of look. At another boat, a guy lights a box of crackers and covers his body in the storm of sparks, which showers his head, neck and back. Behind him is a group in colourful t-shirts. It's a kindergarten, farewelling a teacher, with a bunch of young children riding inside. Some of the boats are covered in tinsel and lanterns. Others reflect the deceased's personality or hobbies, resembling a camera, for instance. All the while, the massive train of spirits makes its solemn march towards the ocean, as the smaller family floats converge on it from all sides. It's the farewell. I want to be part of it. So as it gets darker, I pull Dad's photo from my microphone kit and pin it against my chest under my bag strap. A man near the main float, the train of spirits, sees me do this and gives me the thumbs up. My dad and I were very different in a lot of ways. I've slept closer to him in his death 
Following that long train through Nagasaki, I could feel him next to me. Maybe just in my imagination, but it was like he was hanging out just before his flight home. And I knew it'd be his time soon. He would have to go back. But not yet. He was still here, watching the procession with me, the two of us sharing the same awe at the gongs echoing throughout the city, the crackers burning against human flesh, and thousands and thousands watching without making a single sound. I'd come into contact with the full face of Obon, and I was shocked. What started as a fun adventure to learn more about ghosts and have a silly summer holiday had unraveled and revealed something much larger. I was surrounded by the truth of death. That's right, and that's how, and that's how bad it feels. It feels this bad. Marie Muskimoke, author of Where the Dead Pause and the Japanese Say Goodbye. I mean, everybody knows that death is terrible and that loss is terrible, and it's the it's a chance for people to grieve openly and you know with the full horror of what it is to lose somebody who you love. Um, it's not tucked away, or uh, they, I mean, but that is Japan. They provide context for human behavior within that context. And grieving is one of the necessary human behaviors, and there's a place for the grieving, and that's where it is, right? And there's no pretending that everything is fine. Traditional societies were fully aware of how terrible loss is. I think it can't be dealt with cleanly and tidily, and so it isn't. Shoronagashi was not just a fun summer festival like Nebuta or Awa-Odori. It was a recreation of grief, here expressed through a little theatrics and catharsis and some physical and emotional pain. It's the bleeding of personal loss out into the community to make it public. One by one they left us, past some barricades and over a bridge. And as the space between night and day finally thinned, the spirits disappeared out of sight into the thick, thick summer dark. I just kicked over my beer into the sand, so we're gonna pour it out for Dad. There you go. Yeah, buddy. Tribute. The boats have nearly all gone now. Do you, do you do it? And it's Dad's do turn. This is the big ones for the audio. Okay. In a small sandy park on a street corner, I rest his photo on the ground against a tree with glow sticks either side of it. We had a small box of firecrackers that someone in the festival had thrown at us earlier and we're lighting the whole packet.
Bye, Dad. Later. See you next year. See you next year. <laughs> <laughs> A couple of days later, we go to a little picturesque island called Iki, and I get up before dawn, origami dad's photo into a little boat, and head with Mika to the beach. Should I do a little prayer or something? I don't know. I think people usually do. I think whatever feels right for you. Um. Um, dear Dad, thanks for coming all the way to Japan to hang out for a few days. Um, yeah, it's been really fun, it's been really intense. Um, I'm never gonna forget it, so thank you. Uh, thank you for everything. And I hope you get back safely. Alright, love you. Let's send them out. Okay. Let's get in the water. Mika stays on the shore watching as I wade out with the boat. Place Dad's boat in the water, watch it rest and balance a little bit on the surface. I say goodbye one more time and turn around and head back to shore. I walk out of the water and onto the beach just as it turns six o'clock. I've been an execution I've been with the confusion of who is
Fun Radio was created and made by me, Chris Gilbert. It's translator, interpreter, social media manager, travel pal, and on this episode, presenter is Mika Riley. Thank you to Hiro Fumigomi, Shigeo Nakazono, and Marie Muskimocket for being interviewed. And thank you to all of my friends in Japan who have told me about their families, their experiences with Obon, and really helped me to understand the occasion. If you want to know more, I highly recommend reading Marie Muskimocket's book where the dead pause and the Japanese say goodbye. Now, I am currently in America teaching podcasting for the summer, so Fun Radio from Japan will be taking a break for a while. We do have more stories up our sleeve. Anyone who's visited the website will know that. And we'll bring those to you as soon as we can. But until then, I'll just say one more time that it has been so wonderful to be able to bring you these stories. And honestly, I want to keep doing it. So if you've enjoyed this series, if you've been touched or you've laughed or you've had any reaction to it at all, share us on your social media. We are at Fun Radio from Japan on Instagram. We are at Fun Radio from Japan at gmail.com. And we have a website which is funradiopodcast.com. Making Fun Radio has not been free. We want to make season two, that won't be free either. So if you want to help, please consider going to funradiopodcast.com forward slash support and making a contribution. Thank you again for listening to Fun Radio from Japan thus far, and we'll see you again shortly. Thank you.